you are shopping, make sure you are being intentional because you wanna ask yourself questions like, hey, where I'm at right now, financially and on the baby steps, can I buy quality things or sacrifice a little bit of the quality to save the money? Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Rachel Cruz Show podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. In this episode, I'm interviewing one of my favorite people in the world, Max Licato. He has a new book out, which is amazing, and it's all based on the book of Esther. So I cannot wait for you to hear that conversation. But first, let's talk about some of the stores that you might shop at and answer the question, are you getting a good deal? So let's dig right in. So we all know that shopping is fun, especially if you're a spender like me. It feels good, you know, when you buy something, your, your dopamine goes up, your adrenaline goes up, and it's exciting, it's fun, you got something new. It's great, it is, it's so, so great. But we have to be careful with all of that. We never want those emotions to dictate our purchases. And you have to remember, yeah, you're spending money when you're doing that stuff, and shopping adds up. So I obviously want you guys to stay in budget. And for some people, in order to stay in budget, they say, okay, well, you know, I need to go to the outlet mall or to the factory versions of some of my favorite brands in order to save money. So what you have to realize is that in some cases, the factory stores, the outlet malls, the quality of the clothes not as great always, you know, specifically with the materials they use. Sometimes those clothes are a season or two old that may not matter to you, but they always have a lower price. So I want to break down a couple of these stores. I think it's interesting to kind of compare the regular store versus the factory store. So let's start with J. Crew. Mm-hmm. So let's look at J. Crew normal store and J. Crew factory. And we're going to talk through just some of these common pieces. And my team, we went online and looked at all of the pricing. We looked at all the reviews and kind of came up with this idea, okay, if you, you know, compare the pricing and the reviews, which is better? So with J. Crew specifically, we're going to talk about a classic gingham button-up shirt, a striped t-shirt, and a sweater blazer. So first up, a men's gingham button-up shirt. So from J. Crew, it's $64.50. And the reviews were a little mixed. Some people were like, yeah, it's stylish and fits great. Some people said, yeah, the color is inaccurate. It's not what I was thinking, or it shrinks after wash. Now, if you compare the same similar shirt to J. Crew Factory, the factory price is $24.50, and most of the reviews were really great. So in this case, we're going to give the winner to J. Crew Factory. All right, let's look at a boat-necked striped T-shirt. So from J. Crew, this is $49.50. And uh, the stars on jcrew.com were 4.1 out of 5. And a lot of the reviews were things like, oh, this is my perfect shirt. This is exactly what I was looking for. It's an immediate favorite, all that. Now, from J. Crew Factory, it's $39.50. And the reviews were anything from that it's flattering, well-made, a perfect staple piece, all of that. So I'm actually going to give the winner to both because on the reviews specifically. It was an exact tie. All right, let's look at a women's sweater blazer. So from J. Crew, it was originally $158, but now it's marked down to $126. And a lot of the reviews, again, were great quality, simple, classic, chic, all that. Now J. Crew Factory, a very similar piece, is $82.50. Really great reviews on this. So again, pricing and reviews, I'm gonna give the winner to J. Crew Factory. 
So if you look at all three pieces at both stores, if you bought just from J. Crew regular store, it would be $240.50. From J. Crew factory, it would be $146.50. So you get, in this case, very similar looks. Again, the reviews were all great, but you're going to spend $100 less at the factory, and that's a 39% saving. So J. Crew factory, I think you won on this one. All right, let's look at Bath & Body Works and the Bath & Body Works outlet. So Bath & Body Works is obviously known for their smells, their lotions, their scrubs, their candles, all that stuff. And Bath & Body Works sells all their regular products at their outlet stores on clearance for up to 75% off the regular price. It's crazy. And their outlet products have all of last season's and last year's products. So... If you go to the outlet, you need to make sure that the products are still good because some products, they have ingredients that expire, like lotions that have SPF. And according to their website, they have a shelf life of two to three years. So before you buy the product at Bath & Body Works Outlet, make sure you look at it, you smell it. If it's supposed to be, you know, white flower, and the lotion is not white anymore and it's yellow, you probably don't want to buy it. So make sure that the product is still good. But what's great again is that the outlet is going to have all their scents all year long. So you can buy all your pumpkin spice scents in March, your Christmas scents in July. It's really a great way to buy gifts too. So if you see the outlet and you want to run in and stock up on some gifts, you're going to save a lot of money that way. But remember, these are great fun ideas but when you're shopping, make sure you are being intentional because you want to ask yourself questions like, hey, where I'm at right now financially and on the baby steps, can I buy quality things all the way around or do I need more quantity? So I'm going to sacrifice a little bit of the quality to save the money. Again, it's all about where you're at. Neither one is right or wrong. And so for some of you, you may even say, hey, I'm going to skip shopping trips, you know, for the next two months so I can save up some money and go and buy a quality product that's going to last me. So again, it's all about what is going on in your life and with your money because sometimes I think we we think, well, I'm going to just save up and, and, and have all this money and spend it on one big item and you may not even need it. And that's the great thing. When you save up and have cash to buy something, after you save it, you may not even want the item. So I think it's really important to ask yourself as well, if I can pay less for something and it's almost basically the same quality, should I just do that and save the money? This whole shopping thing, there's a strategy in play. There's a strategy in play, but you want to be intentional. And part of being intentional is being on a budget. And I always talk about every dollar, but it is. It's one of the most uh, powerful ways for you to get in control of your money because it's going to show you, hey, here is the amount of money you can spend on this, obviously, specifically clothes. Here's what you have. So then again, some of you guys, depending on where you're at, you can say, hey, I can go to the outlet store and I do want 20 pieces versus five pieces at the regular store. So again, there's not a right or wrong here, but understanding and being intentional and staying and budget is what is so, so key. Today, I have a very special guest, one of my favorites, actually. Max Licato is here. Max, thanks for Thank coming you. back. Thank you. Thanks for letting me back. I don't, you know, repeat. I didn't know if you'd want it's me a, back. It's a gamble. It was a gamble. <laughs> it was a flip of the coin. I was like, I guess so. And we were laughing just before because last time he was here, I was very pregnant with my third, Charles, and 
your kid's book, Your Special, is like one of my all-time favorite. I talk about it a lot because it's I, it makes me cry like every time we read it. I love it so much. And when he was here last time, I was like, I want you to sign this for the baby, but we don't we didn't tell anyone the name, but I told Max the name. That was Charles. So Max Licato, Winston Cruz, and Rachel Cruz knew the name of our child until birth. So I was in the you, inner circle. You were in the, I think you even emailed my dad and you were like, I know the name. I know of something you don't That's know. That's right. I know the name of your grandson because <laughs> I signed this book. Oh well thanks again Thank for coming you. back. Thank but you're you. here because you have you. a new book. You were made for this moment. And this released when? How long ago? It's out this week. Oh, it's brand this week? New. Oh, it is brand, brand new. new. Oh, I thought it was okay. I thought it was yeah, a Yeah, just, just coming out. Okay, yeah. which you've sold. Hot off the press. Hot off the press. And your specific writing, I love so much. I told him as well, we're going through one of his books on Romans in our small group at church. But the way you present ideas and the way you present ultimately the gospel is just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But this book specifically, you walk through the book of Esther was a theme mm-hmm. through the book. So yeah, for yeah. people out there that are not familiar yeah. with that story, can you give yeah. kind of a high-level yeah. Cliff Notes version yes, of, yes, of Esther? Yes, yes, It's a great book, and I do think I'm hoping to kind of blow the dust off of it because it is easily buried mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. It's a small book, comparatively speaking, and Esther doesn't quite get the stage time that Moses and Abraham and <laughs> others do, but she should. She should. So it's a nine-chapter book. Uh, it takes place in 5th century B.C. Persia. We don't have anything in the world today comparable to ancient Persia. Hmm. It was the Roman Empire of its day. It was twice the size geographically of the United States consisted of half the people on the planet in terms of population. It was immense. Wow. Okay, so that's the context. Four main characters in the story. It's just the greatest story. <laughs> it's got these lively, colorful characters. But here's the rundown. Okay, King Xerxes was 32 years old, rich beyond imagination. A womanizer, ultimate misogynist, more of a drinker than a thinker. He was just a bum <laughs> in terms of, you know, running. He had a harem. He had hundreds of women Mm. at his disposal. Uh, His right-hand man was named Haman, which I always chuckle because it sounds like hangman because he was a killer. He was a murderer. He had blood on his hands, Mm. and he had a hatred for the Jewish people. Mm. So Jewish people were in Persia. They were dispersed all over the world. We're three generations now removed from the mm. dispersion of the Jewish people. So it's been three generations since they knew Jerusalem. There's no temple. There's no Torah that they're exposed to. And so one of those Jews is named Mordecai. Well, somehow he's worked his way up into the inner circle of the uh, king's court. And he has this niece by the name of Hadassah or Esther, Esther. Mm. And uh, so those are the main characters, okay? So Xerxes, he's the ultimate misogynist. He wants Vashti to dance in front of his bibulous male buddies. They're all drunk. Mm-hmm. He want, it's just terrible. Yeah. He wants, and she refuses. Good for you, Vashti. She gets the boot, so he needs a new queen. So he does the equivalent of a star search contest. And guess who wins? But Esther. And guess who no one knows is Jewish? Mm-hmm. Esther. Mordecai's Jewish, she's Jewish, but nobody knows it. So that's part of the story is that they concealed their Jewish identity. They kind of compromised yeah. rather than stand out. Well, what 
caused him to stand out is this anti-Semitic, Jew-hating Haman demands that everybody bow before him. Mordecai refuses to do so because he's Jewish and he knows, even though Haman doesn't know he knows, he knows that Haman hates Jews. He refuses to bow and that triggers everything, sets it in motion. And I'm going to pause and let you ask a question because I'll take up all of our time. <laughs> no, I love it. Because there's so many plot twists. There's oh, so it's many just things the best. Go. It's so unexpected. So for you, though, in this, you chose this story mm-hmm. uh, for a reason. Exactly. And to And to bring a level of inspiration for us this today in 2021. Yeah. So what yeah. are you seeing? What are the, what's the correlation? What are things that we can take okay. from that and just say we can yeah. we can really apply? Yeah, apply I was I was working. I'm still a pastor of a church in San Antonio, and I was preparing a sermon series, mm. and I actually was going to do a, a series on stewardship, which is important for every human being, every Absolutely. church. But the pandemic hit, the racial divide hit, the world just seemed in chaos. So it seemed like uh, that we needed to study as a church. Is there a story in the Bible about global calamity? Mm. Of course, there are a bunch. But we had never studied the story of Esther. And that's such a classic story. of Because if you're a Jew in Persia Mm -hmm. in 5th century B.C., and you've got this despot for a king, you've got this thug as his right-hand man, Mm -hmm. and you're Jewish, and you're just one, a tiny remnant of people, uh, you're not even important to the Persians. You don't matter to them. You, you're going to feel tiny and small. Yeah. I think a lot of people today, Rachel, feel tiny and small. Mm. If they're weary, they're wounded, and they're worn out by everything that the world has gone through. I know that there's people who are political, who are arguing and fighting, but the vast majority of people are just saying, I'm just tired. Yes. Just tired. Yes. Somebody help me. I'm trying to raise my kids in the midst of this. I'm trying to stay healthy in the midst of this. I don't want to fight with anybody. I just want to, you know, lead a, a, a God-fearing good life. Right, right. That's what the story of Esther's about, mm. how God guides his people through a difficult time. And, of course, the great trivia question of the story of Esther is it's the one of two books in the Bible where God's name is not mentioned. Oh, my God. Okay, well, I thought it was just one book, and it was Esther. What's the second? Song of Solomon is uh, in there. Song of Solomon. Every and day. to be honest, I, I, well, I, I mean, I would have failed honest, trivia. I always no, thought it was no, Esther. No, I would have failed it, too, until about 18 months ago. I always thought it was just one book, and then I got corrected. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to know those things. No. <laughs> no. So I was actually, right before you came, I was doing another interview with Christine Kane, and we mm-hmm. were talking about drifting and how our world, like what you just said, it's so volatile, whether it's spiritual or political or health or financial. It just feels like everything is just... So many trigger points. It's just so wild. It really is. And so the anchor point, though, right, of our spiritual walk of how key that is. So for people that don't necessarily have a faith walk or a spiritual life... um, but those of that say that they do, they still could feel far or like mm-hmm. he's not listening, right? Yeah. Or that, that yeah. level of um, almost feeling in isolation. Absolutely. I'm sure Esther felt that yep. in elements yep. or if there's parts of that story mm-hmm. that has that. So what encouragement do you see from that book and of what we can have today okay. in a spiritual world? Well, you ask great questions. You found your niche. You no, I don't know. No. <laughs> I, have a, I have a lot in my head. I'm like, okay, I got to have a short, short amount of time. With we that. only we have go. four hours. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That would be yeah. that would be great. <laughs> okay, so Mordecai refuses to bow down before Haman. That forces his hand, 
and now everybody knows he's Jewish. And everybody knows the Jews are about to be destroyed. Uh, so Mordecai responds by entering into a time of repentance. He puts on sackcloth and ashes. He walks up and down the streets. He's crying out. He's screaming. He's beating his chest. And here's the guy who's related to the queen. Mm. And so she gets word of what he's doing, an example of how cloistered the life is that she's living. Apparently, she doesn't even know there's been a Holocaust declared because he uh, has to tell her what's going on. Mm. She says to him, get your act together. We got a good thing going here. Don't blow it. And he sends a message to her. He said, don't you know we're going to about to all be killed? And apparently she didn't know. And that's when he gives that famous statement. You were, you're here for this. Who knows? But that God has placed you here for such a moment that's as this. Yeah. And that's why Beautiful. we entitled the book, You Were Made for This Moment. Mm. And she responds, I'm almost hesitant to get it out of what she did. I don't want to tell everybody what happens next. <laughs> I want them to read it. I want them to read it. That's good. That's uh, good. But she responds with, with tremendous courage. Yes. And yes. she really moves from a somewhat passive mm -hmm. spouse or queen to really rising to be the moral leader of the Jewish people. And she saves her people mm. through her courage and through her savvy. Not yes. just through her courage, but through her savvy. Yes. She has the courage to appear uninvited to the king. Uh, and when the king says, what do you want? She plans two banquets because she knows the quickest way to a man's heart's through his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Lots, of so, Lots of and food. And so, <laughs> and she invites Haman to the banquet. And oh my goodness, the turnarounds that happen. It's just wonderful. The end result is the, the Jews obviously survive. Mm. And not only did they survive, queen is recognized by the king and Mordecai is elevated to the very position that Haman had. And to this day, to this day, the Jewish people celebrate what Esther did every year in the Feast of Purim mm. in which they reenact yes. this moment. And I think it's a nine chapter drama because it truly is a drama. It reads like a screenplay. And if you don't know what's happening, it'll hold you, keep you on the edge of your seat. So good. Well, yeah. I love the words that you used in that earlier, though, of being passive uh -huh. and having to take action. And I think a lot of people in their lives, it's, it, it almost feels easier to be passive, right? Yeah. Whether it's yeah. with your marriage or your parenting or your money or anything. It just sometimes it's just you feel so exhausted that it's like, I just want to sit back. And, and that was an option for her. Let life happen. Yes. She could have stayed cloistered, yep. protected. Yes. And, and never you know been pampered for the rest of her life. Yes. So yeah. for, you know, because you've been a pastor for how long? Oh, uh, since 79. Okay. That's a long time. A since long before time. Noah. <laughs> no. So, but in all of your experience, because I know you've probably, you've experienced all different kinds of people, all different stories, all different backgrounds, everything. What encouragement do you have for people that feel like life is, it's just, life is hitting them, right? And to be passive feels easier yeah. right now. Yeah. What encouragement do you have of people having the courage like Esther of this level of action, this level of intentionality, this level of kind of stepping up yeah. into their life, um, what that looks like for them in the end result versus being passive and letting things just happen to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what Mordecai said to Esther is what God says to all of us. Mm -hmm. Who knows but that you have been placed here for a moment such as this. In other words, uh, God himself orchestrates, Rachel, the generation into which we're born, the nation into which we're born, and the situation into which we're born. Mm. It's not accidental. 
and the fact that you're here right now in this era with this responsibility uh, born into the circumstances into which you're born, that's all part of God's plan. Hmm. It's all part of God's plan. And so uh, that's reassuring, but it also can be challenging. It's reassuring because it means, okay, God's in control, but it's challenging because it means, okay, God's got a job for me. You know, yes, yes. it's my assignment to raise these kids mm-hmm. or it's my assignment to live in this neighborhood or it's my assignment to face this era, this challenge, this racism, this sexism, whatever it is that mm-hmm. the world is facing right now. Yep. It's my assignment to try to do my best to respond in a courageous way. Yes. It's very tempting to withdraw mm-hmm. and to hide out. I get that. I get that. I mean, my office in the church is a very safe place. Hmm. I don't want those troublemakers walking in my door. <laughs> but, you know, that's just not our assignment. Yes. Uh, I think Esther reminds us that God is going ahead of us, and he's doing things behind the scenes that we cannot see, and he'll never give us a challenge we cannot meet. Hmm. I love that. And there's a level of even, you know, you're just saying that, a level of of rest that you can kind of yeah. be in. I was yeah. I went to this retreat thing a few weekends ago, but part of their walking through the weekends were these different, what they called realities. I won't get into them all, but the, but the first one is that God has called you to be part of his bigger story. Mm. And then the second is that you have a specific role to play. And if you don't play that, no one else will. Yeah. And it's this idea and the, I don't know, the wording of that or the beauty of that, which again, such a time as this. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, I'm like, oh, there is a rest that we can have. It really is. That there's a, there is that purpose and there is something there. And like you said, it's the God of the universe, right? Did it. He yeah. designed it yeah. from the moment that he knit you in your mother's womb to now and where mm-hmm. you're at. And there's a level of comfort there. And again, even if you're not someone of faith, I'm like to to know that there is something bigger, something bigger going on in, in people's story and their stories. And I think it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And you wove it so well together, I obviously so. with the story of Esther and so. this book. So thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Max, again, for stopping thank by. You. Uh, it's so wonderful. Again, you were made for this moment, you guys. Do, do you have any other secrets you want to tell me? You know, like your son's name or anything. Oh, I know. I should. And then you can email the family and be like, I know something all of you don't know. I, love, ne- your, I love your family. I, oh. Let me just say that. Well, thank you. You know, your dad's my hero and we're old, old friends, liter- both in terms of age. And <laughs> <laughs> but I love you guys. Oh, thank well, you so much. Well, we appreciate much. you Thanks. so much and all, all that you do and the fact you stopped by. It's the old honor. Rachel Cruz show. I really do. I really appreciate yeah. it. So you guys, you can pick up the book anywhere. Books are sold. And where can everyone find MaxLocato.com. Yeah, MaxLocato.com. Perfect. Right, right well, thanks there. again. Or you can go to the parole officer and ask him. <laughs> Where is it? You know, either one, people, either one. <laughs> thanks again. I <laughs> Thank appreciate you. it. Today, I have one of you on to talk through a question. So today, I have Audrey here with me calling all the way from Oregon. So Audrey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so first tell me, where are you in the process of your money journey and the baby steps? So my husband and I signed up for Ramsey Plus about three months ago. Um, So we're on baby step two, but we went over a little bit, so we have to go back to baby step one and then go back to two again. Yes, that always happens, doesn't it? You get that baby step one, that emergency funds, and then something happens. You got to go take some money out. I know. It's a little defeating, but then it kind of feels good that you actually had money there, right? So yeah, yeah. that's the positive. Awesome. Okay. So what's your question for today? Yeah. So um, when using the Every Dollar app, my husband gets paid every week, every Friday. 
And I'm just having a hard time with the budgeting. I know what's supposed to be there and what's going to be there, but it's not in there yet. And knowing what to pay when um, with that weekly paycheck. Yes, this is a great question and one that a lot of people have who especially are just starting out budgeting. So there's two ways you can kind of do this if you want. One way is a little bit more detailed than the other way, but I would say the detailed way is to have kind of another list to say, okay, here are the things that we're absolutely going to have to buy. So, you know, this week I know I'll buy probably X amount of groceries, which will be probably a fourth of your entire monthly budget, right? Uh, Maybe you have bills due on the 7th or something and you know, okay, that paycheck, we need the money for those bills. And then week two, here's probably what we are. And you kind of break it out in a different list. So as the money comes in, you know exactly where those are going and what bills to pay. Now, again, that's very detailed, but in another perfect world, which you may, it may take you another month or two to get here, is that you actually use the money from last month. So you're, you're using the numbers for what's about to come in, but the money sitting physically in your checking account is from your other paychecks. And so you're able to go and use basically a month there. So you kind of are a month ahead financially that's in your account, if that makes sense. So you still have a plan and you still know it's going, but the actual tangible money that's going out to pay bills are actual dollars from the paychecks from the month before. But again, you're still planning that same month, but the dollars are being used from last month's paycheck. So that may take you a little while to kind of save up and get ahead, especially, you know, if you are living paycheck to paycheck. So you really do, your paycheck hits and that's the actual cash you're using to pay the bills. So you may have to do that rhythm for another month or two or even three months, but hopefully you get to a point where you have a little bit more buffer in your checking account to go ahead and use that cash for the month. And then as the other paychecks hit, you'll use that money for the next month. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yes, it's a little confusing, I know, because we always talk about planning ahead. And as your paychecks come in, you know exactly where every dollar's going. But when you get into the tactical side of it, it can be a little confusing. So again, for probably the first, you know, maybe next month or two, do that week list to say, okay, here's exactly what we're going to spend per week. So when the paycheck hits, but then maybe, you know, as you get momentum and you guys start cutting expenses, you kind of start going to that debt snowball that you can leave a little extra cash as that buffer in your checking account. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. So how's it been so far? You guys are about three months in and you're, you're now kind of starting to see and feel the tactical side of it. How, how has it felt so far? Yeah, well, the biggest thing so far is that I got excited and paid off a bill and then was like, oh, I we don't have that money till next week. So then I had to bring it out of the savings account. And yeah, so absolutely. I got a little too excited. <laughs> I know. I love the enthusiasm, though. You're like, look, we're out of debt. Like, that debt is paid. Oh, yeah. I know. And, that, and that's what it, it can get so, you know, so specific and so detailed, especially at the beginning as you're starting this process. But Again, you guys are right at that hump, if you will, of the 90 days, because we talk about after 90 days, this stuff really does start to be more fluid. And so those little mistakes, you know, that you've made at the beginning, which obviously are great mistakes because you want to pay off the debt and it's great. Uh, but you kind of start to get more in that rhythm of knowing, okay, the pay cycle and and knowing the budget even more and it actually kind of starting to be more predictable. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely getting better where I'm seeing, oh, that needs tweaked in the budget and that 
kind of the humps there. Yes, for sure. So awesome. Well, Audrey, thank you so much for your question and coming on and sharing your story because it helps so many people because a lot of people have your exact question. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you guys, if you have a question and maybe you can come on the show, just ask your question on any of my social media channels from Facebook and YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. We'll be looking at those and hopefully you can come on and we can talk through your money situation. And again, like I said, Audrey, it's true. So many of you, this is the boat that you're in. You're figuring out this budgeting stuff and it's getting down to the wire of the tactical side of it. But man, once you hone it in and, and it really becomes more normal, it gets easier and easier. And I want to thank Max Licato for being on today's episode. He's absolutely amazing. And for you guys out there, thank you for listening. If you have not hit that subscribe button, make sure to do that. And as always, make sure to take control of your money and create a life you love. <laughs>